Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Hey guys, welcome to Season 2 of Concerts That Made Us. I have a quick update for you guys before we get into this week's episode. We're now on Patreon at patreon.com slash concerts that made us. If you want to support the show, you can sign up there and you'll receive perks such as exclusive access to video versions of the podcast and much, much more. Now, this week's episode, I'm joined by Joseph from the Cognitive Discourse podcast and from the great rock band Among War. For any of you that like your music heavy, you're going to love this. And as always, we're going to kick the show off by listening to one of his songs. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show.
Joseph. You're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Hey, how you doing, man? Thank you for having me. I'm pretty good, and thanks for being here. It's a real pleasure. I'm glad to to get you on the show. Yeah, I'm excited, man. I um, we've been talking, you know, back and forth before actually recording, so it's kind of just been building up to this this moment. So I've been I've been pretty excited. I've checked out uh, some of your episodes, and um, I like you as an interviewer. So I was definitely excited to get on and be like, hey, man, to come over here and share some of my experiences with you. Well, thanks a million. Means uh, means a lot. Um. Now we have a couple of things to get through before we get to the, the concert questions. First yes, sir. of all, the podcast you have, would you like to tell the listeners about it? Uh, yeah. Um, first off, before I even go into that, I just want to congratulate you. Uh, I know you're doing a, a little contest right now uh, on Instagram and uh, your podcast was going up against one of the bigger ones in Ireland, mm. as, as I hear. And you guys pulled it off, man. And uh, I, I, you know, I'm glad that I was able to be a part of that and watch it like unfold in real time. Yeah, thanks a million again. I I literally can't thank you enough. Like you really helped me cross the line at the la- in the last ten minutes. It's like the votes just start piling in. I don't know how you did it, but thanks a million. <laughs> well, also, I, you know, it's, I also want to give it to your to your uh, your fan base too. That was one of the things that we were talking, uh, messaging back and forth while this was happening in real time, and and you know, basically you were the underdog in that, but it, it just shows kind of the difference between a podcast that has a huge audience versus a podcast who may have a smaller audience, but they have a very dedicated and loyal fan base, uh, which is what I always kind of strive for both in my own podcast, in my music, anything that I do. um, You know, I've, I've never been that type of individual that um, wants to rise to success fast. Um, Mm. To me, it always looked those type of people tend to remind me of like a bottle rocket. You know, they, they shoot yeah. up fast, they explode. Ooh, pretty. And then it's, it's over. Um, mm. You know, and if, if you're that type of person, I'm not saying you directly, but in general, if there's people out there that, that are like that, they want to cash in quickly um, and, and, and kind of cash in and move on to the next thing. Whereas I'm more of a slow burner. I'm more like a diesel engine. Um, it take mm. a while to get started, but once I get started, you know, I, I can last for a long time, you know? And so yeah. that's how I look at podcasting. That's why I got into podcasting. Um, originally, uh, I started a podcast back in 2017, 2018 with a buddy of mine. Um, and it was just me and him. And the reason why we started that podcast was because he would come over to my house all the time and we would shoot the shit for like eight or nine hours. And mm-hmm. we'd, we'd get some, some brewskis, we'd, we'd drink some beer and we'd always try a new beer. And um, it got to a point where my wife was like, dude, what are you guys talking about in that room for so long? Cause she started worrying, like you guys lock yourselves in, in your, in your <laughs> spare room and you just like, drink and talk and then he leaves and you walk him to the car and you guys talk Mm. for like another three or four hours out in the parking lot like what's going on (laughs) and his girlfriend kind of had the same questions so it ultimately got to the point where we started talking about that and i said you know what man why don't we just get some microphones and record our our conversations that way if the girlfriend's Mm. asked we can play it for him and like look here this is what we're talking about (laughs) yeah Um, because we, we would always talk about, you know, philosophy and, and just growing up and we would talk about past things and, and you know, what was go- going on in the current climate. And, mm. um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where for me, I wanted to be like, you know, I would, I'd like to record these and in 10 years from now, go back and listen to them and be like, you know, do I still think the same way? How have, how have I evolved as a, as a human being? Um, because ultimately, I'm one of those individuals that I'm willing to have dialogue with people. I tend to speak my mind. Uh, sometimes I tend to say things that people don't agree with and I rub them the wrong way. Um, but mm. a lot of the times, you know, if, if 
I only speak about things that I know. Um, if I'm not knowledgeable in, in a topic, I'm not going to blow smoke up your ass and I'm not going to make you feel like, um, like I know more than you. Um, if I don't mm. know a topic and you you're knowledgeable in it, I'm going to ask questions. Um, yeah. and I tend to, I hate using these words cause they're harsh and, and, and I've said this before, but I tend to challenge, uh, people's way of thinking. Um, I tend to look for just justification and the way somebody thinks. And I know mm. those are harsh words, words to use, but I do it from a, a standpoint of trying to understand where you come from. Um, because at the end of the day, uh, I have the mindset of I'm willing to change my stance and my view on something if somebody can give me enough evidence as to why uh, I should think that way. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of where this podcast came from. I, I do a podcast now, a solo podcast called The Cognitive Discourse. Uh, me and my buddy, just um, two different set of ideas as far as where we wanted the podcast to go. Um, so I ended up just kind of walking away and decided, you know what, I want to do things on my own. Um, and, and the podcast was a small fragment into the big picture as to what I want to accomplish as an entrepreneur. Um, I've mm. always had a love for entertainment. Um, growing up as a kid, I was always into entertainment in some form or fashion. Uh, growing up, I looked up to Jim Carrey, um, you know, and then as I got a little bit older, I got into wrestling around the time the Attitude Era was a thing. And so, right. you know, I looked up to, to wrestlers like Stone Cold, uh, The Rock, uh, Triple H, you know, people, The Rock and Stone Cold mainly just because of the charisma that they had on the mic. Um, that's what oh, yeah. really made me love them. Um, the undertaker, uh, was another one that I really loved because of the mystique. Um, and then now being older, I have so much more respect for that man for now hearing his story. Now that he's no longer the undertaker, um, he's, you know, he's, he's Mark Calloway and he's coming out and he's, he's talking about why he didn't do interviews back then and how he, he tried to stay in that character to build that mystique. So people would believe that character. Um, yeah. the dedication to that, um, definitely has a lot of respect on my end. Um, for stuff like that. I, I'm a sucker for stuff like that. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I grew up and then I got into like rap when I was when I was first learning about music. And, you know, in my household, it was always I, I live in Texas and, and you know, Tex-Mex is a thing and there's a lot of Latinos here and, you know, I'm, I'm half Mexican. So Tejano music's a big thing here. Salinas, you know, we got we got yeah. a big thing here in Texas. And so I grew up with that in my household. And which is funny because on the weekends, if that music starts playing, you got one or two things that's going to happen. You're either cleaning or you're barbecuing. Uh, you hope it's barbecuing, uh, but a lot of times it's if you smell the fabuloso, you're like, oh, hell. Um, so, <laughs> so I grew up listening to that. My mom also listened to a lot of like outlaw country. Um, she listened to a lot of Elvis. Um, so I had a lot of different types of um, type of music going on inside the house. I was, mm. you know, one moment I'm listening to Dolly Parton. The next moment, you know, I'm listening to Michael Salgado. Uh, and then, you know, Elvis comes on out of nowhere. So <laughs> there was that, that mixture. Um, and then when I was around 11, 12 years old, I started to kind of find my own music taste. And I got into to hip hop music and then I got into metal. And that's that's where, you know, my whole life switched with music. But uh, mm. getting back to the podcast, that's kind of what I'm. What I was meaning is like I've always wanted to be uh, at the forefront uh, of of having a fan base, having an audience, um, having my voice be heard. You know, and I feel like in a way, anybody who's into you know podcasting, music, um, acting, any type of entertainment business, 
uh, where you have to create t content for people. Um, there, there's a, there's a, there's a narcissism within all of us, um, but whether it be mild or really big. Um, yeah. But I think we could agree that everybody's in entertainment has to have a little bit of that in them, a little bit of ego driven um, passion to be able to, to get in and do this every single day um, and continue putting out, uh, out material. Um, I love talking about myself. I love being the forefront of things. When I was in a band, you know, I was very animated on stage. Um, I wasn't shy. Um, I'm, I'm an mm. optimistic person. Um, uh, I'm an extrovert. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all out there. I'm ready to go. Um, which is funny because I end up tend to uh, my extrovertness, if, if that's even a word, tends to pull in a lot of introverts. Uh, a lot of my closest friends are introverts, which is, is kind of uh, interesting, oh. um, which seeing introverts that are musicians is, is kind of the coolest thing because they are so talented, um, mm. but they are so shy. And it's like, come on, man, just put your stuff out there. <laughs> you know, I've always been the guy that like I jump off the cliff and build my wings as I go. So that's yeah. kind of how I did it with this podcast. You know, I got tired of working a nine to five job and um, there were a culmination of things that kind of combined to make me finally be like, you know what, I'm going to do my solo podcast. One was the partnership that I was in wasn't going um, the way I had hoped it was going to go. Uh, two, I got tired of going to work every day, um, busting my ass, giving 150% um, for somebody else's dream. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, for me, that's very important when, when you go to a job and you're busting your ass and you're doing everything that you possibly can, because you want to move up that corporate ladder, um, and you're not getting noticed or you're getting lied to. And they just, you know, a lot of the times, um, people who do really well in their position, um, tend to shoot themselves in the foot. And, and I'm, I'm speaking this from experience. Um, every job that I've ever had, I ended up doing really good at it to the point that, you know, my manager wanted to keep me there because he knew that I was going to be hard to replace. I took a yeah. lot of lo love and pride in what I did and I did it well. And, um, I had, I even had a manager at one point, uh, he was our unit director. Actually, he was over the whole store, uh, and over a couple stores. Um, he basically had me in a meeting and said, Hey man, you know, the one thing you are going to understand, because I was young, I was in my, like, I had just turned like 21, I think at the time he was like, you're, what you're going to learn, man, is that, um, just because you're good at a job doesn't mean you can lead. Um, mm. and you know, sometimes when I'm looking for, for leaders, I'm looking for somebody who can, who can manage, um, you know, so just because you're good at what you're doing, doesn't mean that you can lead someone. And I'm, and, and it, it irritated me because I'm like, well, you're not even giving me the opportunity to prove myself that if I do good in this, what makes you think that I would do poorly in, in leading? Um, yeah. So it just, it became really frustrating. I ended up running into that a lot. The last job that I had, I felt like they were grooming me and getting me ready for a leader position. And every time one came up, it just kind of would always slip by me. It would be given to somebody um, who I felt wasn't as qualified. And when I mean mm. not qualified, we literally had, uh, I, it wasn't my position that I was up for a buddy of mine in the in a, I was in produce and he was in dry grocery and he was up for the position. He had been in dry grocery for many, many years. He knew the store very well. Uh, he was up for the position and he lost it to a lady who only had one job her entire life. And it was working at a theme park. And she was, just, right. yeah, yeah, she worked. She'd never been in management before. She applied for a management position and got it. And at that point, when I saw that, I looked at my buddy, I was like, you know what? 
we're never going to move up, dude. They're mm. comfortable with the way where we are. We do a good job and we're, we're efficient in what we do. We're not going to move up. Um, so at that point I said, you know what, screw this. I'm out. And I flat out quit right then and there. I just walked out and, uh, I came home and I started thinking, you know, shit, what am I going to do? You know, I have a family, mm. um, you know, I, I have kids I got to take care of, you know, walking away from work to be like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. That's something I should have <laughs> did when I was in my twenties. I'm now in my thirties. I have a family, you know, what am I going to do? Mm. And so, you know, I, I got into pod, which is a print on demand. So I, I do t-shirt designs. I'm, I'm in the process of trying to build a couple t-shirt brands. Um, and while I was doing that, I said, you know what? Uh, I want to do another podcast. The only downside is I don't know how to edit very well. Um, mm. At that time, I was learning how to mix and master music. Um, so I was like, you know what? It, it, it's got to be fairly similar. Um, and, you know, I was picking up on mixing and mastering uh, around that time. So I was like, screw it. Let me get, let me give it a shot. And, uh, so I, I just, I start, I just did it. I, one day I just yeah. got up and said, you know what, I'm just going to start recording. And it started with just a couple monologues. Um, and I would do a monologue. I'd, I'd write something out in a little two, three minute monologue and I'd read it. And then I'd add music in the background. And, um, it was just kind of dabbling with that. And then as it, the podcast started to progress, I was like, I need to find an identity. You know, when people ask me, Hey, what is your podcast about? I can't just be like, Oh, it's about a bunch of shit. <laughs> um, you know, it, yeah, we don't focus yeah. on one thing, you know, and, and, and doing other podcasts, I've started to realize, you know, I've done podcasts where I talk about paranormal stuff. I've done podcasts where I talk about music. I've done other podcasts that have kind of more of a Joe Rogan vibe or, you know, mm. uh, your mom's house type podcast. Um, but you know, they're, they, they pick a lane and, and they go with it. So for me right now, it's, it's been more kind of, um, a motivation type podcast. Um, right. It's still kind of broad and I know I need to narrow it down a little bit, but at, at the end of the day, I know this is a long winded, winded answer, but the podcast is basically trying to bring light and positivity back into the community uh, to my listeners who are listening um, to kind of give advice, but also have a non-judgmental forum. So I have had a couple episodes that have been coming out recently who, where I'm just kind of, I'm venting a little bit or I'm, I'm talking about pet peeves and stuff like that. Um, mm. And you know, but it, it's, it's always open for, for a, a dialogue. It's always, I always, you know, I have an email that people can get a hold of me on. And if they don't agree with me, they're more than welcome to come on and we can have that discussion. Cause that's what I strive for. I eventually want to get to a point where we start covering topics um, that most people don't want to talk about. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to censor people. I don't, uh, you know, if, if I don't agree with you, I'm not going to sit there and tell you, Hey man, uh, I'm not going to release your episode because I, I don't agree with what you had to say. No, say what you have to say. Uh, stand by it and let's have a discussion. Uh, I'm not going to judge you on it. I'm not going to hate you for it. Um, I always want to see what other people, what other people's thought processes are and the way people view the world. We all grow up differently. We all have different experiences. And I think that those experiences tend to um, kind of dictate the way people think and helps build that character. Um, doesn't mean that you're always going to be that way. You know, you, you, mm. you're, everybody is allowed to be wrong. Um, and I think that's something that people have a hard time kind of accepting is that there are going to be times you're not always going to hundred percent be right. You're going to be wrong. Um, you know, take that accountability and, um, you know, move on from there, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what kind of keeps me from getting angry all the time and getting upset and, and, um, helps me to try to understand other people. It's like, I allow myself to be wrong. I allow myself to, to be able to, to switch, uh, uh, thought processes, um, 
And that's kind of where the, the, the podcast goes. And I've been having a lot of entrepreneurs on as well, um, just because mm. it, it, it's a passion and it's, it's interesting. And I like to hear people's stories and see how they've gotten to where they are and, and understand that, you know, there's hardships and, and you're going to meet failure. I don't think people, uh, people who have met true success, um, they didn't get there without failing a couple of times. So I, I truly believe that in order to succeed, you have to know what failure tastes like. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt, you know, no one's going to like wake up one day and go, right, I'm going to start this and then shoot straight to the top, mm-hmm. you know? And if they do, learn... they don't last long. They, 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 yeah. they fizzle out. Exactly. Exactly. You learn by failure, mm-hmm. you know, and you need that failure to get to where you're, you're going to go, you know, like even take podcasting when i started this show i had a clear-cut image of what the show was going to be like you know and over the course of 20 episodes it's gradually changed sometimes some changes have been conscious some others just happened that way but it's not exactly what i had pictured it being from the start when i had the idea but i'm actually happier now with the way it turned out you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think it makes for a much better show. So you need to, you need to be open to the failures and the setbacks. And, you know, as I said, you learn from, and you'll, they'll get you where you want to be and where you're going. You and, and that's one of those things where like, I always tell people, I don't, I don't plan for things. I don't, mm. I don't use the word plan um, because plans tend to fall through. If, mm. if anything, that little switch, I use the word strategy. I make strategies um, because strategies allow me to adapt. So like you were saying with your podcast, you had an idea of how you wanted it to go and it went a completely different way, but it worked. Um, And so for me, I don't even view that as a failure. That's a success because it's something that you, you weren't able to see yourself um, that you were able to have your eyes open to as you were progressing. And this is one of the reasons why I also tell people, you know, it's good to have a mindset of just doing it. Um, I have friends who, um, they overthink things. Like I'm an overthinker as well. I overthink things a lot, but I have to, I have to force myself to say, you know what, I'm just going to do it and let's see how it goes. Mm. Um, just throw, throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Um, you know, and and I view that with everything. When I write music, when I, I, I'm a, I'm a big guy that I love cooking. Uh, and, and, Mm. you know, I have a a buddy who's a chef and he's always complimenting me on my, I take pictures of my dishes because I'm proud of them. And he's like, Hey man, you're doing really good. You know, and he went to school for cooking. And so that Mm. makes me feel really good knowing that, you know, I'm just some shithead making food in my house, not knowing really what I'm doing. Um, and they're, you know, they taste good and and they look good. You know, there's, there's, there's really no right or wrong way to do things. There's multiple ways to achieve what you're trying to achieve. Um, and you got to find what works for you. It's the same thing with podcasting. I, I, I'm in a lot of podcast groups. And it's one of the things that I see people always wanting to know the right way to do things. And, and how do I do it? And, and there's, there's so many different ways that there's not one clear cut way of editing. There's not one clear cut way of, of doing something. Um, you got to find what fits for you um, and what works for you and, 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 and go with it. You know, um, you know, I've had people even ask me like, Hey man, some of my friends, like, can you release videos showing how you do all your editing? It's like, yeah, I could do it. Um, but you know, I would do it when you watch the video, watch it with the mindset of you don't have to do it this way. There's a million Mm. other ways you can pull this off. Um, this is just how I learned to do it. And this is what works for me. Um, but don't overthink things. I have a lot of friends who are very talented, who have gotten nowhere with that, with, with their, their talent 
based on the mere fact that they are quote unquote perfectionists. And right, right. Uh, it gets to a point where I've even had one, a discussion with one of them. I was like, when does it become more, when does it go from being a per- perfectionist thing to a procrastination thing? Like, who are you trying to impress at that point? If you, mm. or if you're using that excuse of why you haven't released stuff, because ah, it's just not perfect. Um, sometimes you just got to get it as good as you can get it. Um, and that's kind of how I am with my music and with my, my podcast, I'm a one man operation. So I, I record stuff, I put it out and I learn as I go. And I'm hoping that 10 years from now, when you go back and you look at my first episode of the cognitive discourse, or you go back and look at the first track that I released under my band that you can go, holy crap, like he's grown a lot. Like the, the, the yeah. sound quality is better. The editing's better. The mixing's better. Like I want my community to grow with me and watch me grow. Um, and, and, and I think if people could switch that a little bit, uh, I think we'd have a lot more people who were willing to put their stuff out. And I think a lot of it is like, you know, that perfectionism turning into procrastination. Um, mm. So sometimes you just got to go for it, man. There's, there's, there's no wrong way. If you're happy with the product that you're putting out, then, then that's, that's what matters. Like I I do my stuff. Would I love to make money off of this eventually and not have to ever go back to a nine to job, nine to five job? Sure. I think everybody who gets into this uh, wants to do that. But again, I'm not going to sell my soul for it either. Um, mm. You know, and that's one thing that I, I try to let my my audience know is that like when I start getting ads, when I start getting sponsorships, I'm not going to take anything that I don't use myself. Um, and a perfect example of that is my videos. If you watch my cognitive discourse videos, uh, which is basically just my logo right now until I can get more guests, uh, I'm going to do more in-person type stuff where I'll film. Um, yeah. But at the end of my videos, I have an ad that runs for my merchandise. You know, I made uh-huh. an ad for my merchandise. So yes, there's an ad. Yes, I put it at the end. No, I'm not making any money off of it unless people are buying the actual merchandise, you know, but it's, I'm advertising for my company. And again, if a company was to come to me and want to sponsor me, I don't think it's a sellout. Um, if you take that, cause bills need to be paid, but I'm also not going to, to put my name behind anything that I don't use or that I, I, I don't trust. Uh, and integrity yeah. is still a big thing for me. And, uh, I think, you know, that's where that term sellout kind of goes. If your integrity goes out the window, then you become a sellout. If you will just be like, I'll take any sponsor, then that's the, the I mean, and again, Hey, do what you got to do. Make your money. I'm not, I'm not hating on you. Uh, just mm. on me, me personally, I know that if I'm going to uh, tell somebody like, Hey, I use, I like this product, blah, 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 that I want my, my listeners to, to trust my word and, and my word is my yeah. bond with them. Um, but yeah, with the podcast, man, I've, I'm just, I'm having fun, man. I, I, I release a new episode every Friday um, and I've actually backlogged some. So when you listen to the podcast, you may catch that. There's times when I've recorded them months ago um, and they're just now being released. Uh, I do that. So I don't stress out over episodes. Um, I can yeah, kind of, yeah. I can slowly kind of back away and go on vacation with the family if I want <laughs> to. And there's no loss in episodes and people are none the wiser. Um, mm. You know, that's just something that I like doing. I like having them stacked up. Um, which I'm hoping to start doing my music too. I just haven't been able to, I haven't had the inspiration. I have like 12 songs that are done. Um, yeah. Here. I just got to actually right. record them, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the hard part. Being a one man operation does have its downsides uh, because I do all the, the recording, the mixing, the mastering, the playing of instruments. Um, it does take a while. Um, and that does t- tend to kind of weigh on me a little bit. Uh, 
you know, and like, like we were talking before we started recording, you know, I've been walking and, and, and trying to get as much sun as possible. Um, and that, that's, mm. that's starting to kind of help me out a little bit. Cause uh, I, I tend to get overwhelmed sometimes and all I want to do is sleep in my bed for 12 hours and, and waste away the day. And, and I got to stop doing that. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hear what you're saying though. It's a, uh, it's tough being a one man operation, you know, and like the pressure is the worst part. Mm-hmm. Like that's probably the only worst part, you know, editing, you can, you'll learn to get better. You'll learn as you go, you'll improve gradually. Each episode will sound a bit better than the last, you know, everything else you can learn and get better at, but it's the pressure. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a, I'm an awful guy for putting pressure on myself. I think some, well, people tell me when it's not needed as well, or, you know, I'll set myself a deadline when like other people would have been like, why are you doing that? You know, put it off till the next week. If you don't have time with your, your full-time job, Mm -hmm. just put it off till the next week. But I like to be consistent and I like to, you know, keep my word. If I'm after saying like, right, this needs to be done by then, or I want my listeners to hear this. I don't want to let the listeners down. Mm-hmm. I want to stand by that. I don't want to let them down. I want to, you know, put it out when I say I'm going to put it out or do whatever it is. You know, I think it's important. But, it's, um, it's good. It's good habit. It's a good habit yeah. to have because I've had that same dialogue within my own brain where I'm like, mm. ah, I don't, no one's listening to this. Why am I? I, I it'll, it can wait. Like no one's listening to this. Yeah. But then I have to, I have to stop myself and say, no, you, you got to have that consistency. Um, mm. If not for your listeners, for yourself, it, it's just, good, it's a good habit to have because then yeah. when you start letting little things like that slip, it starts to, to consume your personal life. If you create yeah. good habits and a good, strong work ethic, um, regardless who's listening, it's going to bleed into your everyday life and you're going to start exactly. doing, you're going to start being more consistent and things that actually matter more in your personal life. And you're going to mm. be better off, you know, and, and, and that's one of the things that I'm trying to teach my kiddos. Like you may not think, you know, they, they, they like brushing teeth and stuff. Ah, it's a, no, it's, you, you need to form a good habit. It needs to become like clockwork. Um, yeah. and, and it's the same thing with, with, with doing, you know, the, the music and stuff like that. I had a schedule and that winter blast really threw me off. And, uh, you know, I, I need to get back to that schedule of like, you know, I do this on this day, this on this day, this on this day, this and, and make mm. my time blocks. Um, and then again, it creates that 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 good that good habit and that consistency. And you just you you feel better mentally, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you, you really pull do. those things off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And on the flip side of it, then as well, if you let like the small things start to slide. How long is it going to be before you're starting to let the bigger things slide? Mm-hmm. You know? And before you know it, you've lost a run of yourself. Things have gone too far and it'll be a hell of a lot of work to get back to where you were. Yep. And that know? anxiety and that depression starts to creep in. And it's just yeah. like, you start feeling like a piece of shit. You feel like, you know, that it's never going to get done. And you just mm-hmm. all this stress starts to build up on your shoulders. Your jaw starts to get tight. You start getting tense in the, in the upper body. And, you know, it's, it's, and then now it starts to actually affect you on a health level. Um, yeah. and that's one of the things that I have to constantly remind myself as well. It's, that's a daily battle <laughs> for me, man. And, uh, you know, the, so I'm kind of glad that you touched on that. Cause it, I, I think, you know, that's one of those things that like, and if you're listening to it right now, unclench your jaw, loosen your shoulders, <laughs> exactly. you know, friendly reminder, 
I think we, uh, we, we, as, as a society, we carry too much stress and too much tension mm. and, and, and it, it's, it, it all culminates. And so like the little things, like you said, the little things of staying consistent and, and just getting those things done, you feel better about it when you complete those small tasks. So it, yeah. it, 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 it's all, it's a snowball effect. It really can go into your personal life and really affect things for the good. And, 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 you know, just have that po- positive energy um, coming in. That's why I, I, I Every day I wake up, I'm like, all right, what do I got to do today? Regardless of how much I don't want to do it, you know, I'm going to do it because at the end of the day, when I'm done, the feeling that I get of, of accomplishing it is, is yeah. it's, it's the best feeling, man. Oh, without a doubt. That just the little achievement feeling, mm-hmm. you know, the, Hey, good on me. I did it. Yep. Now on to the next, the next task, you know? And as you said, it'll bleed into your personal life and your personal life will start running better, mm-hmm. you know? You'll really notice it. Um, we better move on to the song we heard at the start of the show. Would you like to tell us a bit about it? Uh, so Day of Reckoning was actually written, written when I was, I believe, 17. So Day of Re- right. the interesting thing about Day of Reckoning was I had two songs that I had wrote um, that were supposed to be. So Among War as a whole was a band at one point. Um, there were, uh, five of us and then it got down to four and we used to play all the time. And then, uh, life got in the way and we got a, became adults and had families and the band just kind of stopped practicing. Um, mm. but I was always writing music. So day of reckoning was one of those first songs that I wrote that was supposed to be for the band. Like I wrote the song and I was going to present it to the band. Um, uh, and the song basically is one of my, I have two styles of writing. So I have songs that i write from a personal place um and i think most musicians you know that you talk to that they would have that you know well this song came from a personal thing so you know i have songs that go into like i have a song called point the finger that you know is about my stepdad that was a personal Mm. uh a song about it was a song about about abuse this song day of reckoning was more along the line of the second way i write and that's me kind of telling us a story uh, I'm a nerd at heart. Uh, I love Magic the Gathering. Um, I love Pokemon. Uh, I'm into Vikings. I'm into medieval stuff, uh, animes. Like I'm, I'm into all the, all the stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, I want to start playing D&D soon. I'm trying to find a good dungeon master uh, to play D&D. But, uh, <laughs> you know, with, with all of that, you know, I tend to have that also kind of come into the music a little bit. And so that's right. kind of what Day of Reckoning was. Day of Reckoning was a song that I wrote that kind of follows the tale of a man who has an overseer who has been um, basically his slave master, if you will. And he breaks, breaks, breaks away from it. Um, and there's two ways that you can look at the song. You can look at it from that physical form of a, of a, of a man breaking away uh, and standing up to quote unquote the man and uh mm. you know uh becoming his own um or you can look at it more figuratively as you know um as a as a, as a group you know uh, uh standing up yeah. for, for 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 what needs to be 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 done um and i wrote the song wanting to be empowering you know um wanting to be one of those things where it's it's like all you need is you um, and you're going to, you know, you're going to run into self-doubt. 
But at the end of the day, uh, if you're still standing on your own two feet and you fight like hell uh, for whatever it is that you want to accomplish, then uh, you're not a failure. Um, yeah. You know, and now if you get down on your knees and, and just give up and let that overseer, whatever that may be, uh, consume you, um, then yeah, you've lost the battle. So that's kind of what day of reckoning is, is, is it's, it's hopefully to inspire people to stand up and, and, and accomplish and do what you want to do and, and push for it. And, uh, don't take no for an answer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, there is a, there, there is a, a over overlying overlying type vibe with the music that I'm creating, uh, for a live stage show right. eventually. Uh, I actually have my wife. Yeah. My wife messes with resin and stuff like that. Um, I haven't fully gone public with what the idea is. Um, but it's going to play into the theme of how like day reckoning sounds and the vibe that it gives off. There's, yeah. there's, um, you know, and, and I'll share it with you off, off, off air, uh, to give you an idea. Uh, <laughs> right. but for people listening, it's, I, I've, like I said, I've always wanted to be in entertainment, you know, and I've mm. always wanted I've, every show that I ever played uh, in any band that I was in. I always gave 110 percent and I always had the mentality. I don't care if there's five people or five thousand people. I'm going to play to those people. You paid to see me. And I, at the end of the day, I want you to be like, hell yeah, I got my money's worth. Yeah. Um, so I want to bring back stage shows. Uh, I, I love bands like Guar. Uh, Slipknot, Mushroom Head, Old Mushroom Head, uh, you know, band, Rob Zombie, Marilyn Manson. Like Marilyn Manson, to me, his music isn't that strong. Rob Zombie's mm. kind of the same way. But the stage show, Ghost. Yeah. Ghost has a, an amazing stage show. Romstein. I had a friend make fun of me because I loved Romstein. And it's like, dude, I won't listen to Romstein in the car so much, but I will go to every show that they ever have here yeah. because their shows are amazing. Um, the it's visuals the experience. Exactly. And so I have this, I have this idea, uh, of a live show, um, that is going, and it, it came from the actual band. So when the band used to play back in the day, my vocalist, I love him to death. He's still, we're still good buddies. We play on PlayStation all the time, you know, shout out to my boy Jules. Um, but he was the guy that he was our, our front man. And he's right. a little guy. He's only like five foot four. He's, he's, he's little. He might be smaller than that. He's like five foot two. He's little. I'm six right. one. Right. Our guitar player was like five ten. So we were like giants next to him. Um, but he always had a hard time with the crowd. He always had a hard time talking to the crowd. And a lot of times when we play shows, I was the one that would, would communicate back and forth with the crowd, which I always told him it looks kind of weird because I was playing bass in the band and you're mm. the front man and I'm the one talking to the crowd and, and, and engaging with them. Um, yeah. you know, that's the only reason why I had a mic. I did backups here and there, but for the most part, the mic was there just so I could talk to people. And so it was always <laughs> kind of weird. So I had developed this almost, um, backstory of mm. who we are. And I created this, these characters and, um, it's based off of something that it, when people, like I said, I'll share it with you when people here, they'll be like, Oh yeah, that's actually, that's a cool idea. No one's, I'm surprised no one's jumped on it. Um, yeah, but I created that for that reason. So he could, uh, we would write out a script and he would just memorize it. And it would basically allow him to jump into this character, allow him to 
be somebody that he's typically not, which again, he on stage, he was going to be an asshole. Like I was going to make him the biggest <laughs> dickhead and just right. super pompous. And cause it, it would have fit into the, to the character. And, mm. um, so the whole point of that was so that he could read it. And the, these, these, the, the way I was going to write it was it was going to lead into every song. It was going to lead into the title. So you have day of reckoning and you have, you know, point the finger, you have uh, mm. El Quinto, which I sent you and you, you'll play at the end. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Those titles, uh, you know, the, a lot of those titles came up because I was, I was kind of molding the, the dialogue that he was going to be saying the stage show was molded around the song titles. So it's slowly uh-huh. now knowing that a lot of the newer stuff that I'm writing also plays into a lot of that. So, um, you know, that's what I, if anybody who goes and listens to among war, understand that I am a one man band now. Um, and those songs, a lot of the songs that are going to be coming out, they're, they're leading towards that stage show. They're leading towards the overall big umbrella, the big picture of everything mm. supposed to kind of be condensed together. And, and it's all going to be, it's a bunch of different ingredients to make one big cake. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. So like songs like El Quinto, which you'll, you'll play at the end, um, that actually was written back in the day with the band. Um, I just... Right. Re, I rec- re- I recorded it and re kind of invented it a little bit, but like the lyrics and all that stuff was they were written by uh, Julian, the the old vocalist of the band, and uh, there are there are a few songs within the Among War repertoire that um, will uh, be coming out soon, and those are I'm I'm trying to find a way of how to tie they tie them into the overall scheme of what I'm trying to pull off, yeah. which if people do some digging, if you go on YouTube and type in among war, um, you can find some old life footage of us playing when we were like 16, 17 years old. <laughs> oh, that'll be interesting to look at. Yeah. So those songs will be recorded eventually. Um, the problem with the reason why among war never came out with an album back then was we just didn't have money. We were in, mm. um, you know, we're in a, we're in a city that is a big city is very competitive. I'm in a state that's very large. Um, so it's very hard to become a regional um, band. It's you're more of a of a when you're in Texas, you're just a Texas band, um, right? You know, which carries its own merits. Um, but we never, we were young and dumb. We didn't know how to how to properly run a band, uh, how to get paid properly, and we got screwed over a lot. Um, you know, mm. and and I'm kind of glad that we never got signed back then, um, because I think I think it would have definitely put a sour taste in my mouth um, about the music industry and things have changed a lot. And I'm at a point now where I can do everything homegrown. I'm I'm a home brewer. And so Mm. to be able to do it at at my own pace, um, you know, I'm at, I'm in a position now where if a a label was to come to me um, and want to put me on their label, I I now have the power. It's what can you offer me? Cause you know, I can do all this on my, on my own. I don't need you like I did back in the early 2000. Um, so what can you offer me? And I've made it very clear and I've been very vocal about it that, uh, I've said this on other podcasts that, you know, for me, the only thing I think, uh, a, a label could offer me that I would even remotely be interested in would be something like an M and D deal, which is manufacturing and dist- distribution. Um, hmm. you know, get, get me into stores, but even then that deal is not, it's not as important to me because I'm trying something different. And again, like we were talking about failure and success, uh, is it going to be successful? I don't know. 
but I don't, I don't intend on releasing albums. Uh, I, I think with the way the music industry is now, with the way a lot of average listeners are now, um, I'm literally just releasing my songs as singles. Um, so like if you search my, my band on Spotify, uh, I have just my, my logo art, uh, for the, the cover art on Spotify. Mm. And then the, the songs are just there and they're, they're released as singles. I haven't released it as a full album. I didn't release the three songs that I have out right now as a demo or anything. I'm just basically releasing songs as I write them. And, um, yeah, like I said, will it be detrimental to the growth of, of among war T- time will tell. Um, and like I said, I'm not, I'm not in a position where, uh, right now where I'm like, I need to be famous as, as, as an artist. Uh, I, I write music for myself. It's therapy. Uh, I don't have any drug addictions. I don't have, I'm not addicted to alcohol. Um, you know, and I quit smoking cigarettes when my daughter was born. Uh, so I haven't had a cigarette in almost five years. Um, and so playing music, writing music, being on stage, that was my therapy. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so for me, you know, my, my wife even asked me, she's like, you know, what, what do you, what do you want to get out of, out of your music? And I told her, I was like, honestly, if, if I'm being hundred percent honest, being able to tour, even if it's one time, if I can go mm-hmm. on the road, um, whether it be a U.S. tour or if I'm lucky enough to go overseas, which would be even better, um, and, and do like a you know three to six month tour on the road. Yeah, um, yeah. I could do it one time and I could be good. I'd be I'd be fine with that. I, I don't I don't need to have a million dollars. I don't need to be recognized by everybody on the street. Um, that that's not my intentions in my music. My music is therapeutic, and it would mean so much more to me to have somebody come up to me. And this is like, we were talking earlier about loyal fans. If Mm. somebody came up to me and was like, Hey man, you know, thank you. Your music got me through a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. That would really mean a lot more than anything else. Oh dude, I'd probably cry. I'm such a sensitive (laughs) person. Like I would probably cry and hug them and like, bro, let's go have a beer. Like, you know, let's hang out. Like that, that's, that's awesome. Because those songs got me through hard times. Like I wrote mm. those songs to get through stuff. I, like I said, point the finger I wrote about my stepdad that helped me mm. kind of accept what, what was and what happened in the past. And it, yeah. it, it's a constant reminder reminder to me of what not to be. Uh, I, I, I know, I know what he was and I forgive, forgive him for what he did to me. Um, and if mm. anything, I took that, that, very negative experience and i turned it on its head and said you know what i know what i don't want to be i know what i don't want to become and i know that i never want to treat my children uh the way that he treated me and i never want my children to ever feel like a piece of shit because i made them feel that way um yeah so it's yeah sorry go ahead i was just gonna say so it's like he obviously i don't know what happened but it's like he taught you how to be a good father by him being the way he was yeah oh yeah he was he, you know? he was he was an alcoholic um i mean and, and to give you the scope of, of how bad his alcoholism was um this dude would drink if he didn't have booze he would drink listerine or like a vanilla extract oh, he would Jesus. drink that straight out of the bottle just to get a little buzz um oh. and so i had a stepdad and you have to understand he's a stepdad so i'm not his actual kin so yeah. i didn't matter to him um, and he made it very clear a few times that he read, he just wanted to be with my mom. He didn't care about me. Um, mm. and so I was mentally, physically, and verbally abused constantly. 
Um, and it was worse when he wasn't able to get a hold, his hands on alcohol. Um, he would have to, he would bully someone. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, as, as a grown man, even as a young teenager, I was always a protective person. Yeah. Um, you know, you hear a lot of people who will say that, you know, if, if a kid a, they bullies at school, they're bullies because they get bullied at home. Well, I'm, I'm not part of that statistic. If anything, I was the opposite. I became very protective over people um, who couldn't defend themselves because I knew what it felt like to be vulnerable. I knew what it felt like to be somebody who was minding their business and out of nowhere would come and get punched in the face for, for no reason. Just be, just because, because he felt like it, because yeah. he was upset, because he was frustrated, because he wasn't drunk, um, because he was a piece of shit. Um, I, he, he knew he was, and that's why the song's called point the finger. He knew who he was. Um, and I don't think he liked who he was. Um, and so he would take his frustration out on me instead of going and getting help and understanding like, Hey man, you have some mental, mental issues that need to be taken care of. And instead you're yeah. taking it out on, on somebody innocent who, who did nothing but love you. And, and you've turned that love into hate. And, uh, the great thing about it was that's how I learned about him being a bully was when I was 12 years old. That's when I got my growth spur. I've been six one since I was 12. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so the moment I was taller than him and was able to defend myself and beat him up and, and, and gave him a taste of his own medicine. And I said, I'm not going to stand for this no more. Um, was the, was when he, tables turn and, and that's when he changed and he started realizing like, Oh shit, you know, uh, I better start respecting this kid because mm. he can throw it back as hard as I was. And and the thing is, is like I told him, I, was like, I already know how hard you hit, sir. I've been dealing with it my whole life. But can you take a punch? Yeah. And he couldn't. Yeah, I laid really? him, I, I laid his ass out in the Walmart parking lot. And 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 it got to a point where I said no more. And when I was in school, it was the same way. I would go, I, I bullied the bullies. I would not let any of my friends, a lot of my friends are way smaller than me, man. They're like five, six, five, five. And yeah, you know, I, I didn't stand for that stuff. And, and it's the same thing. I'm going to teach my kiddos. Like, you know, don't let somebody bully you. You're not going to be a victim. You're going to learn yeah. Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You're going to learn Muay Thai. And, and I don't care if you don't want to learn. It's not an option. You're going mm. to learn those for, and, and trust me, you'll thank me later in life uh, yeah. for, for having, because it's not only just learning how to protect yourself; it's learning how to be a decent human being. You're gonna learn. You're gonna learn good habits. You're gonna learn mm -hmm. discipline. You know, and you, you're learning it at the house. All this is gonna do is help amplify that outside the house, um, and, yeah. and and be that structure outside the home. Um, but yeah, you know, music has has definitely. I, I definitely li lived a life where you know I, I grew up in, in rough neighborhoods. I grew up around gangs, and and uh, you know, I was I was that what you would call a hang around. I was never, right. I was never right. in gangs. Um, but I, I knew a lot of them and a lot of them, you know, would have my back in certain situations. And, um, you know, I never had to worry about stuff on the street as much. Um, but I, I thank my mom to this day for going into that Mars music, for getting me that bass guitar and for giving me an opportunity to, not end up a statistic to not end up in jail to not end yeah. up in a gang um music you an outlet yeah music music saved my life man and that's one of the things that you know i loved about the neighborhood i lived in at the time too 
Um, you know, when we were practicing playing music, I lived in a house, my mom's first house that she ever bought. Um, you know, we had like 20 kids in that house all the time. Like my house was the, was the spot, you know, everybody loved yeah. my mom and, you know, we were just that cool house and my neighbors were cool. Uh, people would, we would, my garage was turned into a bedroom. The people that owned the house before us turned into a room. So that was my room. Um, but you couldn't open the garage door cause it was a wall. But right. every time we would play during our breaks, I would go outside. I had been been smoking cigarettes since I was 12 years old. So when I would go outside just to have a smoke break at like 15, 16 years old, uh, there'd be people outside, like just listening to us jam. Right. And yeah, I, I loved it, man. And it was, it was one of those things where they understood, they got it, you mm. know, and cops understood the cops got it. The cops came to my house a few times. And, and they got, they understood it. They're like, Hey man, you could, there's so much other things you could be doing right now uh, to be getting into trouble. And instead, yeah. you're, you know, I got 20 kids in the garage and they're all just, you know, laughing, having a good time playing music. That's 20 kids that I don't have to worry about running around on the streets doing something stupid. Um, so it's, it, it's definitely, you know, I, music holds a special place in my heart. Um, you know, and, and I, I think that's why I, I, I get kind of bummed out with, with tribalism, uh, you know, ac- across a bunch of things, but with music in general, you know, with like metalheads, I, I, there's only a few metalheads that I can talk to. Uh, when they start going into subgenres, I kind of tone out because it's, mm. it's, it's like, do, why do we have to have rules and, 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 and these boundaries all the time for everything and fanboys yeah. for everything? Like, let's just, it's music, digest it, listen to what you like. Don't listen to what you don't like. Don't like, I don't, if you like a band that I don't like, I may bust your balls a little bit for it, but you know, it's all in good fun. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not judging you on what you, what you like, whatever helps you get you through the day. Then awesome, man. And and the thing about it is me being a musician, I pull from so many different genres, man. Like, like I said, I grew up listening to a bunch of different stuff. And now in my thirties, you know, you may have, I may be listening to like something like Cerebral Bore, which is super brutal. And then the right. next, the next track will be Marcus Miller, who's like a jazz funk bass player. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's quite the mix. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm all over the place. You know, there's, there's times when I want to listen to somebody like Sean James or the white Buffalo, which are mm. just like folk acoustic singers. And, and then right after that, I'm listening to something strange like dog fashion disco or Mike Patton, you know, uh, yeah, I, I'm all over the place, and 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 I, I love it because it, it definitely plays into my writing style. I've gotten to the point now where I had a friend come over one time, and I was just showing them song. I have hundreds of songs that aren't finished. They're just they're on my Reaper uh, DAW, and they're just there. And I and and there's times, <laughs> yeah, there's times when I'm like, you know what? I want to try a punk song. I'm gonna try to make a punk song, and so I'll just start playing and start trying to come up with a punk song. Or you know what? I want to try something that has like a goofy melody, you know, I want to try something that sounds like carnival music and see how I can incorporate (laughs) that into something, you know? And, and my buddy who, who mind you went to college for music theory. He's a brilliant dude. Uh, He loves that idea. And when I show it to him, he's like, I need to start doing that. Like it it will allow me to expand my way of thinking and and expand my writing style. Um, So Mm. that way you don't pigeonhole yourself, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and and so music is is constantly i'm always trying to evolve my music and that's what if if anybody listen to this the one thing i want them to take away from from this episode if they take anything away from it 
is to understand that only you understand your ultimate goal and what you're trying to achieve. Don't let anybody ever tell you that what you're trying to achieve is stupid or it's not going to work. You won't know until you do it. Um, and, and I have that mindset with, with my music. There's no such thing as bad music. Um, and to get good at anything takes time. I never, I've been playing music since I was 14. I'm 32 now. I don't call myself a master at anything. Uh, I'm always going to be a student. Um, mm -hmm. because there's always the moment you say you've mastered something, you've cut yourself off to anything else that you possibly could have learned because your mindset is I've mastered it, but yeah, have you, I'm done with that. Yeah. It's like, have yeah. you, because it takes 10,000 hours, quote unquote, right. To master something. <laughs> so I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so if we're going to go off that statistic, you got to understand that, you know, keep yourself open to learning and the great thing about it is when you're open to learning new things, you have a way more pleasant experience. And when you start learning those new things and you apply it to whatever it is you're doing, music, cooking, uh, training for basketball, whatever it is, you start realizing that you start becoming that top, that top player, that top athlete, that mm. top chef, that top musician. But you learn how to be humble with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so if, if, if anything, and I know it, it may, may come off corny, but if, if you take anything away from this, from this episode, that that's one of the things that I always try my hardest to get across to people, um, that, you know, every day is a learning experience every day, wake up and try to be better than you were yesterday. Um, because there's, there's so much out in the world to learn from. And, um, yeah, you, you don't want to cut yourself off from an experience that you could have had that could have been the best experience in your life. And, and you yeah. cut yourself off because you wanted to be, you know, close-minded to, to the idea. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> That's some pretty great advice there. But, uh, yeah, you touched on something there with, uh, not telling anybody to, or not letting anybody, you know, dash your dreams or tell you that your idea is bad, but like, nobody else can see your dream through their eyes until you make it a reality, Yep, you know? And that's something that's very important to remember as well. All these people There's you look up to, all these people you look up to, you have to put yourself in that position. They mm. were, they were there where you're at right now at some point in their life, but they refuse mm. to take no for an answer. And that's one of the things, um, you know, and I know your podcast is about that. So if, if you don't mind kind of transitioning into that kind of goes into a story of a band that I met and right. they, you know, me being young, meeting older bandmates was one of those things that, you know, I'm glad that I met that band and I wish I could remember his name and people will know it. But, um, if anybody remembers the band Mantis, I don't even know if they're still doing things, uh, to this day, but they were on. Battle of Ozfest back in like 2005, that TV show. And mm. um, I met those guys when I was very active playing shows back then. And uh, I ran into them, played a show with them. It was uh, Mantis and Bleed the Sky. And I want to say, I think Dope even played on that show too. So there's, oh, I have a positive and a negative story from, from that show. Um, right, right. But I, 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 yeah, I think so. I'm from think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because it was, it was almost like a, um, a festival type thing. They had two stages going. 
Um, and then you had, so you had the main stage and the, and the second stage. And uh, we had like, I think it was like five or six national acts that came in. And then you had like 13 locals. And because it was an all day event, uh, right, I think it was right. like a whole weekend. But um, so I was playing the show and my mom has been my biggest fan, like my entire life. Anything that I've gotten into, my mom has always, always rooted for me to, to, to succeed. So I don't have that, that story. Like most famous people where they're like, Oh, I had, you know, people hated me and I didn't have no, nobody had my back. My mom has has been my number one cheerleader. So I I, I can't take that away from her. And and I I appreciate her and everything that she's done. She, she actually financed me through a lot of that stuff. Um, Mm. She got my first bass, bought my amp, bought my first drum kit, you know, that was all her. (laughs) So we were playing the show and um, we, I think we had just played our set. So we were winding down on the local bands. The bands were starting to, we were starting to get towards the national acts. And mm. uh, I was outside. We were on the outside in the, in the backstage area where only the bands could hang out. And right, uh, right. the singer from Mantis and the drummer from Bleed the Sky were out there. And the drummer from Believe the Sky was doing his warm-ups because they were going to be going on pretty soon. So he was out there with a, his sticks and a drum pad, and he's just just drumming away, doing his little paradiddles and whatnot. And uh, the dude from Mantis is out there. Well, I'm standing out there, and at, the, at that time, they had another another local band. Their band member was like goo-goo-gawing over them, like, oh, man, I have all your albums. I have this, that. And, yeah. and he was just kind of like, oh, that, that, that's cool, man. Like, you know. Uh, you know, okay, this guy's fanboying over me. You know, I'm I'm just gonna give him, you know, some attention. He and, hears it every day. Yeah, yeah. So, lesson one for me, right? Um, not don't do that. <laughs> so, um, I'm standing there, and my mom comes up to me, and my mom, you know, my mom's taking care of me. She's bringing me snacks and whatnot, and I'm all sweaty. So she's like, here, you know, here, Papa, here's a water, here's some chips, you know, get that in you, and. She's like, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to go lock up the truck, make sure everything's good. Cause we had already put the gear away and she was just going to go double check it. And the singer from Mantis notices our interaction and he's kind of smirking and he's just kind of chuckling and I'm just drinking my water. I'm not paying any mind to him. And he goes, Hey man, what's your name? I was like, Oh, Hey man, my, my name is Joseph. He's like, you just played. He, and I was like, yeah, he's like, you were, you were drumming, right? I was like, yeah, man, thanks. At the time it was, I was in a band called Burning Winter. We were very Iron Maiden, uh, right, Rush right. type sounding eighties metal. And I played drums in that band. And, um, he's like, you had a pretty, pretty solid set, man. He's like, uh, you know, at the time, hardcore music was a big thing. So he's like, very different. I was like, yeah, man, we're trying to bring the eighties back. It's like the only people that really <laughs> like us are like, like people in their forties and, and Mexican bikers, like they, they dig us, but <laughs> and he's just like, he's like, yeah, I was like, we always get that one guy that's like, play some Slayer, you faggots. So we'd always get that like at every show. And I'm like, all right. And, um, so he's like laughing and he's like, yeah, he's like, you're going to get that, that one Slayer guy at every show, man. He's like, I travel the country and there's always that one Slayer, play some Slayer, you pussies. And, uh, <laughs> So we just start kind of shooting the shit, right? And so then he asked me, he's like, so um, so your mom, he's like, does she always go all your shows? Or I'm like, yeah, man, every show she can. I was like, I've, I've played, you know, all over Texas. And there's out of every show that I've done, I've done probably a thousand shows in my lifetime. And I think she's only missed like maybe one or two. And he goes, that's badass, man. I was like, yeah, man, she's she's like my my number one fan, dude. And like, um, she's she's 
not only mama, but she's, she plays bodyguard sometimes too. She makes sure the, the, the hoochies don't get out of hand. (laughs) And, uh, he's like, that's awesome, man. He goes, you know, I've been doing music for years. I've been on TV. My band's been on Battle of Ozfest. I'm a national act, man. You know, I've Mm -hmm. been all over the world. And I have yet to have my mom show up to a show. He goes, yeah, he's like, that's cool, man. He's like, don't ever, don't ever, like, don't throw that away. Like, Mm. appreciate what, what you have. He's like, because... I've technically made it in the music industry and, and, and I don't, I don't have that. He's like, I'd love to have that. Yeah. Yeah. And I looked him dead in the eyes and I go, you know what, dude, hold on. He's like, what? I was like, mom, come here. And my mom comes over and she's like, what? I was like, dude, today, my mom is not only my mom, she's your mom. So mom, meet your other son. And my mom being, you know, we're a hugging family. We're Texans. So we're a hugging family. My mom's like, come here, big boy. And I, this dude's a big dude. So my mom grabs him and she's like, today I'm your mom. And I'll, I'll be in there rooting for you. And sure enough, man, sure as shit. Um, oh, I forgot to mention. So the drummer from Bleed the Sky, you know, he's sitting there drumming. Jokingly, he goes, can you be my mom too? And she's like, sure, I'll be your mom. He's like, well, I'm about to go on. So, you know, she's like, let's go. My mom watched not only Bleed the Sky play, but she also watched Mantis play. And the coolest thing about that entire gig with those two bands was that my mom was up front and center. They made sure that she was protected the whole time she was there. So, yeah, she didn't she didn't have to worry about any moshers or any crowd killers. You know, none of that. She was protected. And, yeah. um, which was cool because I was kind of off and on watching the bands and I was doing other things too, you know? Um, mm. so just to know, like I had made, I had made a connection with, with bands like at that moment. And it was, it was probably one of the coolest feelings. Um, and it, like I said, it put a lot of things in perspective for me that, you know, just because somebody may, just because you think somebody may have what you want, there yeah. may be something that you have that they want. Um, yeah. You know, so, I mean, like I said, this guy, he's living comfortably. He's doing exactly what I wanted to do when I was a teenager. He was on the road, playing gigs, meeting hundreds of thousands of people every day. But he wanted to have his parents there at the forefront cheering him Mm. on. And he didn't have that. And I didn't have everything that he had, but I had the one thing that he wanted, you know. Yeah. In his eyes, you were richer than him, Mm -hmm. you know, more successful. Well, you know, you had more than he did you had exactly what he wanted like he as you said he had made he was where you wanted to be but you were where he wanted to be so and 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 the funny thing is is i feel like maybe he got the success that he got that drive that pushed him to get there you know this is all assumption but just knowing other people's stories maybe that drive came from trying to just get that acceptance from his parents you know i was just thinking that (laughs) so yeah like i said it's it's all an assumption i don't know but that was that was one of those shows where you know i i definitely and the great thing is that it was a positive thing that happened after a negative so it Mm. it made the night so much better um and uh you know i won't i won't discuss the conversation that i had with him about this other band but let's just say that there were some words that were tossed around too so i didn't feel so alone that i got into it with the band 
um, cause I wasn't the only one that, that had issues with him, um, as, as individuals, but that right. same night, yeah, that same night dope was there. They were the actual headliners, which <laughs> funny thing is, I don't even know if you know who dope is, but oh, I do. I do. Oh, okay. Um, for them being headliners, it's like, bro, calm yourself, dude. You guys are not even that big of a band. Like <laughs> humble yourself. You guys had what yeah. three or four albums and, did they even go platinum? Probably not. Like you guys, I feel like they're one of those bands that they only got popular because they were among that wave of new metal bands that were coming in. And they were just Mm -hmm. like, it's like how Ethan Hawke from training day is. He kind of just fell through the cracks and everybody's like, all right, (laughs) you know? So that's how I felt about dope, but they were also the only band with a tour bus. So we get there now, mind you, I'm like 16 or 17 at the time, man. I'm, I'm a young kid. I, mm. I, I'm living this like starry eyed, like, Oh, I get to, I'm playing with these national acts, man. It, there could be a chance in A&Rs here. Like we got to play bad at, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and we pull up, my mom pulls up the truck and we're right in front of the bus. And we had to be in at a certain time for loading. So we get there. And it's, it's literally just bands. It's, it's local bands and it's the national guys. And we're all like, you know, in close quarters with each other. Cause we're all there to unload. So you're hmm. working around actual roadies, like real roadies and stuff. And we're unloading our truck. We're taking the gear and my mom has my bass. Now I have an old school Mars music, hard case bass for my, for my, my electric bass. That things like as tall as me and my mom's <laughs> carrying it. And I'm, I'm carrying my aunt and, uh, we're walking by the bus and my mom's just looking at the bus. She's like, man, like, cause my mom's never seen this stuff up close. You know, my mom's never, yeah. she's never been around that type of stuff. So she's like, Oh, this is awesome. And, and of course my mom's thinking like, I'd love for my boys to have something like this one day. Of and, course, um, of course. so we're, we're walking in and let me also remind you at this time, my mom was killing it. My mom was a cab driver at the time. And a lot of people look at cab driving like, uh, you know, my mom was, my mom was killing it. My mom was making fucking six figures as a cab driver. She was making hundreds, a hundred thousand dollars a year as a cab driver. Yeah. She was killing it. She knew. Yeah. My mom has a very business savvy type of mindset and she knew Mm. how to, how to, how to play that game. And she played it very well. My mom had money. Mm. So my mom's looking at the bus and as she's looking at the bus, the door opens and one of the guys from Dope comes down. I don't know which member it was. I don't really care. Um, but he came down and uh, he's like smoking a cigarette and he's just standing at the edge of the bus. And as he's standing there, my mom's like, man, this is a really nice bus. Like, she's just looking up at it. It's a really nice bus. And she goes, she looks at him and she goes, hey, man, how much something like this run? Like ballpark figure. And he didn't even have the decency to look at my mom. He just had a cigarette and goes more than you can afford and flicks the cigarette and walks, what starts walking back fuck? up to the bed. And right when he says it, I hear it. So I drop mm. my amp and I go, what the fuck did you just say? And my mom's like, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. And I'm like, no, no, no. Cause I was a hothead when I was young. I'm way more mild now. I'm, I'm a yeah. laid back 30, 30 year old man, which is funny. Cause you know, ever since I started buying guns, and I have guns. I've, I've, I'm way more mellow because at the end of the day, it's <laughs> right. like, I don't want to shoot anybody. You know what I mean? So like, mm. I'm a more mellow person. I, I avoid drama at all costs. But when I was a teenager, bro, I was ready to throw hands. Like I would, mm. I, the amount of times I got in fights at shows just because like somebody was being stupid, like mm. 
So I was ready. I dropped my amp. I was like, what the fuck do you say, man? And I start walking towards his bus and he looks back and he just, he goes, <laughs> and just keeps going. Oh, I was fucking fuming. He closes the door. I like, I hit the door. I'm like, come back out here, you fucking pussy. <laughs> and uh, of course, security comes out and this dude's way bigger than me. He's got like 200 pounds on me. Dude could fucking, mm. I know when I'm out, uh, uh, outclassed and yeah, he comes yeah. out, he's like, we got a problem. I'm like, I don't got a problem with you, bro, but your boy. And he's like, keep moving. So I did as I was told because I wasn't about to get beat up by this dude. I needed my limbs because I was a drummer. So <laughs> <laughs> start walking. I can pick up my amp again and start walking it in. Right. And uh, yeah, after that, man, I was like, fuck that band. That that which sucked because it, it, at that time I was a huge fan of that album that had just come out. Um, I can't remember which album it was, but it was the one that had the song Bitch on it. And mm. um you know, I, I like that album. I was excited to get on that show. I got I got our band booked on that show because of Dope. I didn't know who yeah. Manchester Believe the Sky were at the time. And I, I, I got booked because of, of I, I wanted to be on the show because of them. And to get treated like that, like, it, it just, it rubbed me the wrong way. I, I, I remember going home that night saying, fuck the CD. I broke it. I said, fuck them. I tore their posters off my walls. I, I'm never, I'm never back in this band ever again. And I had that mentality of like, man, if I ever become famous I, and and we have to do a show or this, we get bigger than them and they want to get put on our show, I'm going to give them a big middle finger. And if yeah, they are put on, back then. yeah. And if they are put on our gig, they're opening every fucking night and I'm going to treat them like shit on the road always. <laughs> like, cause I, I want to throw hands with them. Like I'm going to do everything mm. in my power to be like, let's go. Cause you don't disrespect my mom, man. Like that's, that's one thing that like, again, protective mentality. And, mm. um, but like I said, the, the, the silver lining was I got to meet two other dudes who were way more humble and they made the, they turned the night around. And it really says a lot about bands that are national acts too, because um, I have to put them in the same category as Flaw. Flaw, Mantis, and Bleed the Sky, all three of those bands are so cool because they actually watch the local acts. Um, really? Yeah dope they stayed in their bus the entire time and so they were ready to come on stage and they put on a great show they put on a great performance but there are cer certain bands out there flaw being one of them i i've played with flaw a few times and um flaws in another one of those bands that like we played at a, at a club called club cristals back in the day it's no longer open but it used to be it was like a hip-hop club it was a nice club right. too um but every now and then they'd have metal bands play and flaw was playing that band we got on with him and um I know we played more other shows with them, but this was the show that the first show that we played with them that they were headlining and they had nothing, but they wanted nothing but local acts. They, I mean, this t tells you how cool of a band they are. They would go on the road with other national acts and they would have locals open, but mm. this was their first headlining tour. And, but that I've, they've done in years. Cause this was way past their second album. Um, yeah. But this is, when they went on tour, they wanted nothing but locals to open for, open for them. So every show that they did, locals were opening, which says a lot about them as a band. But not only did they have locals open for them, they sat at the bar and watched you play. And they were very accessible. They didn't have a bunch mm -hmm. of security hanging around them. If anything, the drummer took his dad on the road with him. So I'm over <laughs> there shooting the shit with, his, with him and his dad. And, you know, Again, it, we had something to bond on because my mom went in on every show. And I'm like, dude, you're you're doing exactly what I probably would do. They didn't have no yeah. big tour bus. They had a camper 
and the dad stayed in the camper with the with the band when they were on the road and um and, and i was like dude the band's cool with that? i said like, yeah man the band loves my dad and i'm like that's awesome because you know like that that's pretty much what i would have did with my mom had i gotten signed in my teenage years you know mm. if we had a, a camper or tour bus whatever it'd be like mom you're coming with us you know you're the band mom let's go yeah and <laughs> you know so that was one of those bands that they did that too man and like i remember they were like hey man like <laughs> one of the guitar players was like can't find my picks can one of y'all loan me a pick <laughs> they were like yeah man here you know local band's giving a, a, a national like a pick like, here you go bro you know and and we're we're up in the front you know and that type of stuff i love and, and it's, oh, it's always been something that i wanted to do like if i ever became anybody in, in the music industry is is to be that person because again it's one it's just who i am and two mm. you never know who you're gonna who you may mistreat and then they come up and they're like fuck you now i'm famous now yeah you're wanting to come to my shows now you know and i think that happened to like someone like george lopez i believe that happened to george lopez with the dude from uh uh chips i forgot that guy's name but the actor from really? Chips. yeah when george lopez was a kid he he met that guy and he was trying to uh get his autograph or whatever and the guy kind of just blew him off and then now george lopez is this big star and in one of his specials yeah. He's like, fuck that dude. Like he out on the special, he's, he told the whole story and then he's like, fuck that people. Yeah. Like just straight up, you know? And, uh, but yeah. you know, that it's, it's true. You know, you, you, you want to be nice to, to, to everyone. Cause you never know, you know, exactly. building those relationships. You never know who might, might, uh, out, outclass you, if you will, uh, mm. later in life, you know? And, um, that that's kind of why I, I want to build a community. That's why I enjoy you know, having discussions with you outside of the podcast and, and why we were talking, you know, way before we decided yeah. to do an episode with each other. Um, and, you know, I even told you and I, and I had the other guy that I, I did an interview earlier this week and I told him the same thing. It's like, you know, um, when I do a podcast with you, man, get used to it because I'm going to randomly hit you up message wise and just to see how you're doing. Um, because, okay. again, I, I want to build a community. I'm very community driven. Um, you know, I, I want to. I see like a lot of the podcasts that I listen to a lot of the comedians that I watch, they're all, they all came up together, right? You have yeah. Bill Burr, Burt Kreischer, Tom Segura, Joe Rogan, uh, Bobby Lee, Ari Shafir, all these dudes came up together. They all have separate podcasts and they all just kind of, you know, uh, have yeah. these weird podcast orgies, if you will, with each, <laughs> you know, and they're just all over the place. Yeah. And same thing with bands, you know, um, I watched, I don't know if you've ever seen the Kill Switch Engage documentary uh, that they did uh, back in like 2006, 2007, um, when they had Howard Jones. But in that DVD, they talk about how the band formed and their early years and how the band members were from other bands and they all just kind of got pulled together and how close Shadows mm -hmm. Fall and Overcast and all that stuff <clears throat> was at one point, you know. All the members in Kill Switch and Shadows Fall and uh, I think it's... Uh, there's another one, but they were like in a band called Overcast at one point. And, you know, they were all, they've all know each other. They all grew up together. Yeah. You know? And they all succeeded yeah. together. Um, and I always looked up to that. I was like, man, I, I want to be part of that group. And it's funny because prior to us doing the podcast, I was in the shower and I was thinking about that. Like throughout my life, I've always wanted to be part of another group that had already made it. Right. Mm. I always wanted to be part of that Joe Rogan circle. I always wanted to be yeah. part of the Kill Switch circle. I always wanted to be part of those circles. And I'm at a point in my life now, I was like, you know what? Fuck that. I respect those guys. I love those guys. I'd love to meet those guys. 
But when do I stop and say, you know what? I'm going to build my own circle. Exactly. exactly. I'm going to make my own community. And I want to be able to strive to make that community that I have people looking at like, man, I want to be part of that group, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, for me, that would be true success. It, for me, you know, um, and if anybody has ever, if any of your listeners go and listen to my podcast, uh, definitely I suggest, you know, checking out one of my monologues called success. It's a two minute mm. monologue. And I talk about that, like what, what success means to me and what I, what I think it means to the majority of people. And I think that will put everything in the perspective, uh, you know, and, and that, that's why I hold myself the way I do when I'm playing shows. Um, you know, I, I got a lot of people, a lot of times would think I was some famous dude, you know, and I was like, like, nah, man, I'm just some shithead. You know, I had, I had long, beautiful hair and I had piercings all in my face and, you know, I'd have people come up to me and be like, Hey man, you know, what town are you from? And local mm. bands, like local bands that uh, I'm on the same level with them. And they thought we were a national act. And I'm like, oh, man. like, no, nah, man, I live in the same city as you, dude. Like, <laughs> I'm just here, man. And they're like, oh, really? Like, yeah, man. You know, I, I'm not I'm not a, a name, household name, you know. Um, mm. But, you know, again, I think it's in the way you carry yourself. Um, there's a difference between cocky and and confident, you know. Um, yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And I think a lot of people, especially people who have that mentality of you got to fake it till you make it. Um, I think that they tend to have the cocky overconfidence. Um, and, and, and I feel like where confidence comes from is if you believe in what you're doing and you, you're honest about what you're doing and you actually like what you're doing, you have fun doing what you're doing, mm. I think the confidence will show. Um, yeah. Now, uh, the cocky people are the ones that tend to not really have confidence in what they're doing they're kind of bullshitting their way through it. They don't um, believe it. Yeah. They're just bullshitting their way to, to success. And dude, trust me, there are bands here that have been signed to labels. Music's not that great. Not a huge fan of them. Um, and I know them on a personal level. And it's kind of one of those things. It's like, I know what your intentions are. I know how you speak when you're not in front of people. Um, and it's not genuine. So for that reason, I don't back what you do. Mm. Um, yeah, even if the music was good, you know, I would give them that merit. And be like, hey, your music's good. I just don't like you and like the way you you hold yourself. Um, so I keep my distance. Um, yeah. But for the most part, you know, like I said, the music industry has changed a lot, and I, you know, I think the, the constant battle is trying to figure out which which way it's going to go. Um, and I think if. Oh. I was just going to say that is the question. Like it's, uh, it could go either way and it has completely like flip flopped, mm -hmm. you know, in the last five, 10 years, it's completely different. And it'll be interesting to see what way it goes in the future. But I hope it's a way that benefits the musicians mm -hmm. instead of the, you know, the bigger record labels. But unfortunately, I think more, more than likely it'll, It'll always benefit the record, the record labels instead of the, well, the musicians. I'm hoping that record labels start becoming more obsolete. I, 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 I think in order for that to happen, though, I think musicians as a whole, they have to have that mind change. They mm. have to have the mindset of, I don't need you to succeed. 
I think if we have more independent artists coming out and, and, and we're starting to see that more, uh, rappers are catching on metalheads. Not so yeah. much rappers are catching on. You can be somebody without a label. Tom McDonald is a perfect example. I have so much love and respect for that guy. Um, because and again, he's, he's controversial. Some people don't like what he raps about. Some people love it, uh, outside of his content. Um, the way he manages himself on a business level, I got nothing but mm. respect for him. The dude is just on another level and he's showing people like, Hey, you don't need a label to be successful. Dude, this dude's a millionaire. He's making more money than famous rappers that are hating on him. And it's like, bro, <laughs> it's just, it's just him and his girl. Like she does, she does all his music videos for him. And, and oh, yeah, he has a guy that like, uh, I think edits, like he has one other dude that does the editing, but he does, he does, he writes everything. He plays all the music for his, for, I mean, granted rap music's not like super difficult to make beats with, but, mm. but still, I mean, knowing that he is essentially a one man operation and he's made millions doing it, um, is proof. Hobson's another one. Hobson is another rapper. He made it on his own. He got signed, uh, with, uh, easy E's uh, wife. Uh, she owns, right. she owns the record label. Now she signed him. She screwed him over. Uh, he made many, many songs about it. And, um, you know, he, he eventually, uh, went down the path of being an independent and he's very successful, a mortal technique, very successful. So rappers get it. Um, we, we just need metalheads to understand too, and, and understand <laughs> that like, Hey man. And I think a lot of it, I mean, if you really want to get into it, we can, I think, I think a lot of it comes from the elitism and, and, and kind of what I touched on earlier about like genres, you have that same type of elitism when it comes to recording styles. So I have a home studio. Uh, You can't Mm. see behind me, but behind me, I have an electric drum kit. And, um, you know, I just recently bought that before that, like all the, the songs that you're playing that I gave you, those were done by hand on a computer with superior drummer. Um, we have my, my, I actually didn't, I programmed the drums, like a, a skeleton of those drums. And then yeah. I sent, I sent it to my friend who's a way better drummer than I am. And I said, Hey man, go balls deep in these songs. So like day of reckoning, he did the drums for, I was like, but make it realistic. Like I want to make sure that you could actually play what you're putting on there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like, programs like a, a, a superior drummer they they lend uh an ability to people who don't have the meat i live in an apartment complex i have an acoustic kit i could go buy mm. drum mics i could uh mic it up but i don't have the twenty thousand dollars that it costs to to make the room you know proper Soundproof. yeah and and and, and raise the, have a raised floor and, and all that stuff i don't have that type of cash to do that right now so to have superior drummer and use that as my, as my platform for music, I think that's great. I use Helix native for my guitar tones. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't reamp or use an actual amp or none of that stuff. Again, my room isn't made to try to amp up a, a or mic up an amp, you know? Mm. So, um, but you have these, these elitists, these mainly old, old school dudes that are like, ah, oh, you know, that's, that's not real music, you know? you got to play the tape and you got one shot and you got to be able to nail it on one shot and rah, 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 you know? So it's, it, yeah. I, I think that for the younger generation, a lot of that type kind of tends to wear on people. And, and, and again, they start second guessing themselves. They start thinking like, Oh, well, you know, I got to do it this way so I can 
please this group of people. And, mm. but I got to do it this way to the thing you got to understand is don't please anyone. Cause if you're trying to please everyone, you can't and, and you're, yeah, you're going to exactly. fall you're on your face. Fail. Yeah. So at the, at the end of the day, do what makes you use what, what you, the tools you have at your disposal and make the best of it. And again, it, it always boils down to what I was saying earlier about the perfection thing. You're not going to be perfect at the, at the start. You know, I, I put over two grand into what I have now. I didn't have it like that. You know mm. what I mean? And then if you look at all my instruments on top of that, dude, I have probably like 10 grand or more sitting in this room. I didn't get that overnight. You know, this yeah. microphone alone is $400. I didn't get that overnight. I had to work to get this, you know, mm. I had to work to get my monitors. You know, I have a buddy who mixes, he didn't, he didn't buy monitors. He uses an old school, uh, stereo that like the little CD disc stereos. He has, yeah, he has yeah. one of those. He hooked it up to his laptop. He's like, I mix with that. If I can make it sound good on that shitty ass thing, then I can make it sound good on anything. You know, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. You know, so it's it, it, people and, and I've, I've done set up, um, episodes on my podcast too to help people who want to get into podcasting or music or whatnot like most computers mm. nowadays can run the stuff that you need to get shit done you know that the, the only excuse is is you like you you got it yeah, you got, you're the only one holding yourself back exactly so you just got to go for it and and i think if 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 uh and the great thing about the metal guys is you're seeing it on youtube where a lot of these guys are venturing out and i think as a band, as an artist, you have to see it more than just, you know, putting music out there. You have to be willing to be a content creator. And, yeah. and the reason yeah, why I say exactly. that is because you look at people like Jared Dines, uh, people like Stevie T, people like, um, uh, who else is out there? Um, I'm drawing blank. I, I follow a lot of those guys, but they, they've, they've built this YouTube community by making funny music videos and, and parody videos and, mm. you know, all these things and they've made these communities and, and then they release albums and th that community buys it. They're able to yeah. sustain themselves. Um, so I, I think ultimately you have to look at when you're building that brand, like what else can I do to put underneath that umbrella to kind of help boost getting eyes and ears onto my product? Um, Cause at the end of the day, that's what music is. It's still a product you know, cognitive discourse. It's, a, I'm trying to make it a brand. It's, it's, it's its own entity, but I have mm. other things that I'm doing that I want to eventually kind of tie everything together and build this overall yeah. umbrella of a, of a brand. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's, I think when, when musicians start looking at it that way, I think it becomes a little more clear of how self-sufficient you can be of You don't have to rely. Yes, their labels still have some pools. If you're that band that wants to be on festivals, you're going to have to rely on, on, on that right now. Yeah. To a point. Because at the end of the day, again, if you can get a following, if you can get big enough, I don't think a label's going to matter. If you go to a festival and be like, hey, man, I'm getting 300,000 views on every video that I'm putting out on YouTube. I have a following. You know, yeah. I have over a million downloads on Spotify. Can we get on this? You know what I mean? Numbers, numbers speak, numbers speak volumes. Um, now, am I trying to go for that? Hell no, I don't care. Like I'm, I'm doing this for fun. I'm just riding the wave, seeing where it's going. Um, but hmm. do I believe that there's potential 
uh, to become somebody out of it. Hell yeah. Look at Justin Bieber. As much as hate as that little fucker gets, <laughs> he started on YouTube, you know? <laughs> you know, and, and, and when anybody ever tells me like, nah, man, you're blowing smoke up mask. Look at Justin Bieber. Look at fucking Taylor Swift. Those are mm. YouTube people. And they're yeah, now and pop stars. People actually forget that nowadays, you know? Mm-hmm. They've got so big that nobody remembers where they started from. Yep. You know, they're global superstars. But at one stage, they were sitting on their own in their bedroom, singing into a camera. Yep. And if you want to go even darker with it, let's not forget Cardi B was a stripper. And she is, (laughs) she, she got to fucking interview Biden. Like, it's, you could be anything you want to be. Like, seriously, you have, you have somebody like Cardi B who is straight garbage. She's trash. Like not only musically, but just as a person and look at mm. where she's at. And it's it's just one of those things, man, where like you have to carve your own destiny. No one's going to help you. Nobody's going to hold your hand. There's no lucky button that's going to get you mm. where you need to go. You got to stand on your own two feet. You got to be ready to have the door slammed in your face. You got to be ready for that rejection. You got to be ready for that failure. And you got to be ready to fight your biggest obstacle. And that's you. Self-doubt mm. is a motherfucker. And again, I deal with it every single day. I'm pretty sure you do. Any content creator mm. will will come out and say, yeah, man, I doubt myself on a daily. And you may carry yourself with confidence and people may not be able to see it, but you pull that curtain back. It's going to be a lot of work. You got to be ready for that. But I feel like people who are looking to get rich quick, they're trying to take the easy avenues. Those are the people that quit quickly. Those are the people who talk shit about the industry. Those are the people who have yep. become very jaded. Those are the people you don't want to hang around with. Don't take information and don't take any type of opinion from them. Don't don't worry about them because they were trying to make it uh, because they wanted to make the easy way. They didn't want to put in the real work. Mm. And at the end of the day, they're bummed because it didn't work out. Well, yeah, it's not going to work out. You got to put in yeah. the hard work. Now, does that happen for everybody? No. I mean, there's a lot of celebrities that I'm sure got lucky. But they were the exception to the rule, though. Exactly. You have to have that mindset of like, I'm going to put it my, my best into this. And if hmm. it doesn't work, then we go back to the drawing board and we figure out yeah. what, what, what's what's not working. Why is it not working? What can we do to, 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 to better ourselves? There's no there's no uh, there's no harm and there's nothing wrong with reaching out to people who understand what it is that you're trying to accomplish better than you do. Um, mm. The reason why I've learned a lot of the things that I've learned and I continue learning about different things is because I'm not afraid to ask. I'm not afraid to be like, I don't get how to do that. I don't know what I'm doing. I think too much people, again, that confidence and cocky, too many people <laughs> want to try to pretend like they know what they're talking about and know what, and know what they're doing. And in reality, they got, they don't know. And they're too afraid to ask. Mm. If somebody comes to me and asks me for help, I, I, I'm like, and, and again, I'm one of those people who are like, I'm not confident about it. Like, all right, I'm just my tie. Let's get it. And I'm going to school you, kid. No, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'll share the knowledge that I have. Um, don't take everything that I say. Literally take it with a, a, you know, a grain of salt and, and understand mm. that, you know, this is just one opinion. This is just one person sharing knowledge that I learned from other people. Uh, Don't stop there. Continue getting more information from other people who know way more than me. Um, You know, 
and that's one of the reasons why I love YouTube. YouTube, I've learned how to do a lot of things via YouTube. I became a better cook because of YouTube. I've mm-hmm. been able to fix things on my truck because of YouTube. I've <laughs> been able to, you know, I didn't have a father in, in my life. I had a stepdad who was a piece of shit. Didn't teach me nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't learn how to become a quote unquote man through him. Uh, I learned how to shave on my own. I learned how to wipe my own ass. I learned how to take out, you know, um, things on my truck, take them off and fix them and put them back together. Like I had to learn all that stuff on my own. And YouTube has been a great, great format in doing so. A funny story about that is um, the podcast groups I was telling you about. And I know you're part Mm -hmm. of a few too. The, uh, there was a person like of the podcast groups, you always have newbies kind of asking you know, tech questions and whatnot. And I always try to help out the best I can. And I always refer to YouTube. And I had this one guy who was on there and he was talking about, um, he was getting real technical with it. And you could tell that the the original poster didn't understand a word this guy was saying because he was a noob. It's like, you got to break it down a little bit. You can't use these technical terms. And so I gave my, my two cents. and, And I also told him, I was like, Hey man, I learned everything on YouTube. So, you know, whatever programs you're using, like type like if you're using Reaper, type in Reaper how to edit, and on YouTube you'll have tons of videos that come up showing you how to edit on Reaper. Um, that's how I learned how to use DaVinci Resolve, which is a video editing program. You know, I didn't know how to use it, and I was looking for a free ed- video editing software, and I found that one had a lot of good reviews, and there's a lot of videos on, on how-to videos on it. So I'm like, I'm gonna go with yeah. that one because I can learn a lot from it. And the the smart dude decided he was gonna shit on me. Now, mind you, I didn't say anything that he said was bad. I didn't talk shit about his advice at all. I just gave my yeah. advice on top of his advice. And <laughs> he ended up uh, basically saying, like, making fun of me because I said to use YouTube. And so we had a little back and forth. And I basically got, I, there's a point where I stopped trying to be a logical person and I start trolling <laughs> someone. <laughs> right. And so I basically told him, like, bro, it just sounds like, yeah, it sounds like you're upset and you're a little jaded that you spent hundreds of thousands of dollars going to college to learn everything that I already know how to do that I learned for free and took about 11 hours to watch videos on. And, uh, you know, the only thing I paid for was time, you know, mm. and he's like, oh, fuck you, man. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, I think you just confirmed what I, what I, <laughs> my sentiment. I must have stung a bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I do say that you got it. You got to just you got to run with it, man, and 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 understand that you are going to meet some obstacles. You are going to fail. You are going to fall on your ass. Um, the, mm. the question is, are you going to get back up and 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 continue going? Hey guys, we're going to leave it there for this week. We'll pick right back up where we left off next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, rate and review us on iTunes. And find us and follow us on social media. And don't forget we're now on Patreon at patreon.com slash concerts that made us. Until next week, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show's over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.